Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Tomorrow's gonna be better than today. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green here on AM860, The Answer and the Golf News Network. I'm Jeff Tracy. This is the show where we talk about golf and we talk to a lot of the fascinating and interesting people in our world of golf. And uh, once in a while, we even talk about food. That's the grilling part. But uh, today, we're going to be talking to Trip uh, Bowden. He's uh, an Augusta guy. He lives there. He's lived there a long time. He caddied there. So we're going to be talking to Tripp in just a minute. And this uh, segment of Grilling at the Green is brought to you by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended, and Gunter Wilhelm Knives, unmatched quality, comfort, and efficiency in the kitchen. Online at GunterWilhelm.com. Welcome, Tripp. How are you, bud? I'm good, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. I I read your book, The Caddy's Cookbook, because it has the two things in a life that I really enjoy the most outside of my family, which is cooking and golf in it and the stories behind it. And, uh, um, I guess, I guess the obvious question is what prompted you to write this? Cause you got some great stories in there. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, um, it's funny that, that, uh, first you said that you read my book and how many people actually read a cookbook, which makes me feel like I've, I've done my job right. Cause I didn't <laughs> want it to be, um, you know, a typical cookbook. I'm actually someone who loves to cook like I do. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big recipe person, as I'm sure you know this from, uh, well, measurement person, I should say. Yeah. I probably know this from reading those uh, recipes. There's a dash of this and a scotch of that and that kind of stuff. But uh, what prompted me um, to do it is a very good question. I just, I felt like people are saying, you know, you, you should write a book about your, all your recipes, all the stuff, because I cook a lot of different stuff. And then there's actually my uh, sister-in-law, we were talking about in-laws earlier. It said you should write a book about all these caddy recipes and the national recipes that you know. I said, well, yeah, that's not a bad idea. And then one thing led to another, and I pitched it to my editor up at Skyhorse Publishing up in New York, uh, Judy Gans, and she said, I love that idea. So she wanted to see the proposal, which you have to do for everything whenever you do a book. Oh, sure. And uh, the marketing team liked it, and one thing led to another, and I wrote the book in about I think it's about six months. Good for you. Good for you. Now. Um... I got to ask the pork chop sandwich. Now, if you haven't read the book and you don't have the book, first of all, you should get it. I don't endorse too many cookbooks, but you should get this one because it's fun. And secondly, like I was talking about the stories earlier, there's the pork chop sandwich, which you can only get at the caddy shack, so to speak. So I'm going to let trip tell you about that. Cause it's to me, it's like, um, you know, there's just certain things in life that, 
if you're at an area, if you're at a golf course, if you're at a football game, whatever it is, you got to do. And if you could possibly work your way down and get one of those sandwiches when they were, I don't know if they're still available when they, if they were, you, you know, that was a little slice of heaven. It seems. Oh man. Was it ever. So that was back in the, uh, the golden age. And I'm afraid that age has passed. Uh, although I haven't been in the new caddy house, uh, and gosh, since the, I guess I left in 94 and, uh, my, our caddy house is just a center block building. And now it looks like a, a, a mansion um, <laughs> out there by the driving range now at the completely different world than I used to experience. But, uh, there's nothing quite like that fried pork chop sandwich, uh, horse, uh, the cook at the time, he was lightly dusted with some old bay seasoning and a little bit of salt and pepper and, and barely just a little bit of flour on that. And it's some kind of, it's, it's like the flour was magic. I've never tasted anything quite like it. And he would pop it in the fryer and there was the, you know, the bone in kind, uh, a thin cut. Yep. And I swear it wouldn't take all 30 seconds. You fry that bad boy up and lay between two pieces of sunbeam bread and wrap it in this green cellophane. Cause you know, of course everything that got is green <laughs> and he'd slide it through the little metal slot to you. And of course I, I remember the first time I, I got one uh, and asked for a Coke and horse said, uh, grape soda. And I said, I uh, no, I'd like a Coke. And he said, grape soda. I thought, is he trying to trick me? And I said, I would really like a Coke, please. And I was only like 10 years old. And he said, grape soda. And he slid this grape soda at me. And I said, grape soda it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, every time later, you're thinking Bobby Jones, Bobby Jones and Coca-Cola and that whole story down there, you know, and you guys are uh, in Georgia or big Coke fans probably can't find a Pepsi in three counties down there, but, uh, you know, only the Taco Bell. Only the Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know every place to go for whatever you might need. There, there you but, go. But, uh, yeah. there now, you. On, the, on the course, you could get uh, you could get a Coke. Um, but in the caddy house, it was a grape soda. And whether it was eating the, the butter beans in the morning when you're all hungover and trying to trying to wake up and rally and get some grease in you. Yeah. Uh, it was grape soda and pork chop sandwich or the old, good old, uh, what we call the bone sandwich. It was literally a chicken leg and a thigh between two pieces of bread. And you got to really have some gifts to be able to eat that without chopping down on some bones. But it was, it was excellent, too. Everything in that carry house was great. It really was. Well, was it just seems that, that, that your buddy Freddie was master of the universe there. Oh, he, he was. Uh, I've never met anybody like Freddie before since. It's funny, you know, people say, oh, I had a memory like an elephant. And I say, no, it was more like a computer. When I... uh was first starting a caddy out there. I was, um, as I think I mentioned in the book, I was the first uh, full-time white caddy at Augusta National um, after I graduated from college with degrees in English and uh, minors in philosophy and psychology, which are they're a lot of fun to get, but you can't do a whole lot with them unless you're going to teach. And I was uh, way too big of a bullshit to teach. So uh, I spent my summer after five years of, of college and golf um, <laughs> uh, staring out the window and drinking beer, and I got really, really good at that. But that didn't pay a whole lot either. So my dad said, you know, you need to call up Freddie and see if he got any ideas for you. And I caddied some during college, man, just fun money kind of thing, but never anything too serious. And then but he said, why don't you come out here and caddy, like for real? I kind of got silent, and he said, not too good for that, are you? And I said, no, sir, no, I just had never thought of it. And one thing led to another, and I went out there and got my ID card and caddied out there for uh, five seasons. And uh, But one of the first things Freddie did was kind of give me a crash course on uh, the membership and you know, who, who to caddy for, who not to, because there was no tipping back then. Um, but you could 
you know, there were ways around it, but right. he would definitely let you know who, who would be good for the bag and who wouldn't. And just going through the names, it takes me a while, and I went, wait a minute, he's, t- he's telling me them alphabetically. And there were over 300 members. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my dad, uh, who uh, uh, speaks a handful of languages and he speaks Greek and he plays 11 instruments and just retired. Uh, but the good old Reverend Dr. Joe, he's also an Episcopal priest. I uh, just retired from surgery at the age of 80. And uh, he considers Freddie Bennett the smartest man he's ever met in his life. Seems, uh, seems that they had a good relationship. They did. Very, very close friends, uh, very dear friends. Uh, for gosh, many years, I'm thinking close to 40 years, probably. Yeah. So Freddie's still around? Life. No, he passed away a, a while back. Okay. Uh, he, uh, at age 76, it's uh, sort of like a mandatory retirement when you turn 70, Augusta. Right. It used to be. And, uh, and Freddie's an interesting man in this regard. Uh, he retired. Uh, not much fanfare. He didn't, didn't want a big hoo-ha. And uh, I believe he got two tickets to the tournament. So he never went. And once he drove out uh, Magnolia Lane and took a left to go home, he never went back. Really? He, yeah, never went back. Even though he could, he's welcome to come back and go fishing. And, and he used to shower there in the caddy house and would take me fishing. And me, he owned that place. I mean, he was a good national to me. Sure. But he said, once I'm done, I'm done, trip. And he never once went back. Not into the tournament. He gave his people to go. Let them enjoy it, but he never wants that foot on the property ever again. Yeah, that's interesting. I've I've known a couple of people like that. Uh, um, in their like, well, my dad when he retired, he never went back to the office. Never, never went back to see his old work guys. I mean, some of them would come out to the farm and stuff and see us, or or he might meet them for lunch, but he never went back to the building. He just wasn't going to do it. Oh wow! You know that yeah, was that was. That was- that was pretty. Yeah. People come by his house, like you said. Like people come by to you know, see your dad and stuff. But Freddie would often be on the porch. And he's always there for you if you needed him. Didn't matter who you were or what was needed. And sure. if he didn't know how to fix it right away, he would say, let me see what I can do about that. <laughs> and he'd get back to you a day later or a couple of days later and have your answer. There you go. Problem solved. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with Trip Bowden with uh, the Caddies Cookbook uh, and more stories from Augusta right after this. Uh, You're listening to Grilling at the Green on AM860, The Answer, and also the Golf News Net. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey everybody, welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I want to remind you, for the folks here in the Portland area, Langdon Farms Grill has their Friday night prime rib special. And it's fall, so it's comfort food, man. You got to get down there. Uh, I think you get prime rib, uh, baked potato salad, the whole fixings for about 25 bucks. So check it out. It's really easy to get to off I-5 down there in Aurora. So you can do that. Also, if you'd like to email us, it's info at grillingatthegreen.net. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, it's Grilling at the Green there, Twitter. And most people go to my Twitter account, which is CalCook57. And then they, 
you know, filter out from there. We're talking with um, Trip Bowden here today. His book, The Caddy's Cookbook, Remembering Favorite Recipes from the Caddy House and Clubhouse at Augusta National. You know, it's what I find fascinating about this book, Trip, is that <clears throat> to most mortals, Augusta National is is this very kind of sacred place. And it's also very mystical because, well, if you're like me, I live 2,500 miles away and I see it, you know, once a year for four days in a row for about three hours a day. And it just looks great. Although it doesn't give the, the full uh, overview of the course because everything on TV looks very flat and level and it's not. I mean, I know few things about Augusta, but anytime you get a somebody that's lived there, worked there, played there on a consistent basis, I always find those little pieces of information kind of fascinating. And your book is full of those. <clears throat> oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it's, a, it's a pretty magical place. Uh, you know, you talk about like seeing it on TV, uh, which all of us will be doing this year. Uh, yep. Unfortunately, as we all know, there's no patrons this year. And it would have been my uh, 43rd year in a row. And actually, my dad's 56th in a row. But he he actually holds the record to me. I can't imagine anybody that can break it. Uh, by his 56 uh, years in a row going, he means Monday through Sunday, not just the tournament. <laughs> all of the practice runs, too. Yeah. <laughs> imagine that. But, uh, you know, you talk about how flat it looks like on TV. But, uh, like they say, the 18th hole, for instance, from the, the bottom, you know, the, the tee box, and you walk down to the valley, and of course, you walk back up the hill. So from the valley, bottom of the valley to the back of the green is 11 stories. Yeah, that's that's a that's a pretty substantial elevation change for a golf course. It, it is, uh, and almost all of it's completely natural too. They moved very little dirt to make those hills. That, that was the lay of the land. That's why Bobby Jones fell in love with it. Yeah, it's, it's without without a question. And I've been blessed to play a lot of a lot of fantastic, phenomenal golf courses, and I've never played anything as hilly as Augusta National. Have you Not ever close trip? Have you ever seen a weed on there? <laughs> uh, yeah, in the hand of a caddy. Yeah. No, I meant something growing out of the ground, not inhaling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they call it weed anymore, though, Jeff. We might be dating yeah. ourselves. Yeah, we might uh, be. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's my old life. Uh, no, it's, it's funny you say that. Uh, no, I have not. How about this? One of the first guys that uh, I meet um, when I started caddying, one of the grounds crew, um, I can't remember his name. I wish I could because it doesn't make this even better, but uh, I'm terrible with names anyway. But uh, I he did, and he said pine cones. And I'm thinking, well, sure, that's not his name. I said, well, maybe pine cones. He goes, I pick up pine cones. And I said, that's what you do. He goes, yep, all day long. He said, you see any? I said, nope. He said, yeah, I'm really good at it. And he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've told this story. I've told this story before on this show trip. I've got a friend of mine who retired a couple of years back, but he was a sales rep for Titleist. And he finally got to go to the masters, you know, Titleist sent him down there, Kushnet or, you know, whoever wrote the check doesn't make any difference, but got to go, him and his wife got to go and a couple other salesmen and they had a house and the whole thing, you know, okay, great. And nice. they, and they get out and they go in and he, I don't know which hole he went to, but it doesn't matter. He, um, they'd bought a couple chairs and they, they went to put them down and, there was an older gentleman sitting there and they said, no, no, you can put them down there. He goes, nobody will touch them. 
He goes, really? He goes, yeah, nobody will touch him. Everybody's very polite and mannerly here. He goes, nobody will touch him. And because Dick said, well, I want to go walk around the course a little bit. And they had a couple hours before the tournament started. And he goes, yeah, go ahead. And he goes, he goes, hey, before you go, when you come back, let me know if you find a weed on the property. He, he, he goes, because I've been coming here 30 years and I've never yet seen as much as a dandelion. And so Dick walked around the all 18 holes and he came back and said, I never saw one weed. I never saw a strand of pine straw out of place. You know, it was pretty interesting. It's, it's unbelievable. You know, funny, all the years I've been going, I, I never thought about a weed, but I've, I've never seen one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not, yep. Yep. Even, you, um, even one in the parking lot. Well, there, yeah, I'm sure there's been that. You know, Clifford Roberts might even had some. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, it used to be the gravel parking lot in the old days. Um, now there's no gravel to be found, but uh, I'm about to run that by my dad see if he's ever. Yeah, we're seeing a weed today at the national. Yeah, everything just looks so emerald green and and you know the the on TV the browns and the pine straw and different things like that and the water looks kind of blue or Ray's Creek looks really bubbly. And I'm, I'm sure it's all looks that way in real life, but it almost looks uh, surreal on the, on TV. So it's like, a, it's like the poppies and wizard laws to me. It's just, it's, it's like, it's almost ethereal. And, and one thing I talk about the colors uh, and late January, they'll, they'll take these uh, looks, they look like a Popeye's corn top pipe looking thing. Yeah. They're full of, uh, green some kind of green dye uh and they pop them into the base of the oak trees and green them up really no good mm-hmm. huh oh, they, did, they did when i was working up there i, I assume they still do and uh there's another there's some little tidbit uh, on the par three course uh the, the soda springs pond which is the one that's on the left and the night farm which is the one that's on the right or the smaller one um the uh the banks are uh actually cemented. We can't see them because it's under, underneath the water, of course. And they're sloped. It goes all the way down to the bottom in the middle of the of the ponds, and there's nets down there where they catch the golf balls. And at the end of the season, they have these groups come out in these diver suits, and they scoop up all the balls, and they sell them. <laughs> but there's no gators there, is there? No alligators? Yeah, they're, they're, okay. they're not allowed. Okay. They're not allowed to the gates. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Well, think of it. Lots of, lots of great fishing. The incredible fishing, though. The brim and the bass are phenomenal. And then there's carps, but you know, you can't catch a carp because they're uh, vegetarians. But the carps <laughs> have a job to keep the keep the algae away, and they do. Yeah. But, you know, there's no algae out there. There's no weeds, and there's no algae in those ponds. Wow. That's, that's, that's like dreamscape stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, just, just kind of nuts. We got to take a break. We're, I could talk to Trip for, with no commercials, but we have to have commercials. But uh, Trip Bowden and I are going to be back in just a minute here on Grilling at the Green. Please stay with us. Hey, it's JT, and this part of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan Golf. Check them out online at benhogangolf.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to uh, Grilling at the Green. Uh, we're going to go back and talk with Trip Bowden in just a second here. Painted Hills Natural Beef is one of the sponsors of this show, and it is beef the way nature intended. Also, the fine folks at Ben Hogan Golf, tour quality clubs at factory direct prices. That's BenHoganGolf.com. We just had the uh, 
the Cambia, the Portland Classic, the LPGA tournament here, and I was out there um, taking some pictures and stuff. Uh, again, kind of like the Winco we had a month ago. A lot of good golf, pretty dang quiet. Um, there probably wasn't an extra 500 people on that course, and that includes all the people working for IMG and Tournament Golf Foundation and all that. But, um, you know, you can go see the replays of it on the Golf Channel, and you can also uh, go to the LPGA website and uh, get all the results. It was good, though. Let's get back and talk with Trip some more here. I got to ask you, um, sure. something I noticed in the book, and I'm not, I'm not being snarky, but you use the word ass as a noun, a verb, an adjective, a pronoun, and uh, a conjunctive uh, thing. So, so is that a is that a Georgia thing or what? <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. Yes. Um, it's funny. You just use words. That I, I don't. For someone who writes them, and um, I've been told to write fairly well, I have absolutely no idea what they mean. You know, <laughs> person, I don't. So that, I guess that's why I get away with using the word ass in so many different um, um, manners. Funny, you also mentioned that word too, because my my mother-in-law, uh, my mother-in-law, who's name? You, could, you got me talking to my mother-in-law. <laughs> my stepmother said, "I've never seen the word ass in a cookbook. You're better than that." And I kind of thought, um, hmm, "All the more reason to leave it in." So, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> well, it's in the Bible. Come uh, on, you know it's legal. Well, that, you know, that, that's a, probably just a noun version of that. And that's about yeah. all I do know um, about it. Uh, but I, I think. I mean, I've always enjoyed uh, colorful language, shall we say. Sure. And uh, and when I started caddying, as you might imagine, the caddy yard, I mean, it, it makes sailors, you know, like, seem like the Pope. Yep. And I remember uh, having dinner with my mom uh, and dad you know, when I was started caddying out there. And I told her that her green beans were effing amazing. And <laughs> she said, what? I said, your green beans, mom. I said, they're effing amazing. She goes, what did you just say? And I said, your green <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and I just walked up to the sink and just took a bite of the soap and spit it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, been there, been there, I, done I that. I did that I was saying that. I had no idea I was saying that. And my mom's not approved by any stretch, but, you know, you don't drop that bomb at dinner. No. To your mom. No. No. I'll, I'll tell you a story off the air about the 4th of July parade and working on a float, and I was about 10 years old, and I said something to my mom. I didn't know what it meant. But my friend who enlightened me about that uh, after I was crying and sitting in the car in the parking lot on a hot day all by myself, well, windows were down. I wasn't going to die or anything, but he, <laughs> he's like, you don't know what that means? No, I'm 10. You know, he goes, well, let me explain to you. And I went, oh, my God, am I in trouble? I'm <laughs> <laughs> a kid in Christmas story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, Trip, what's your favorite recipe, if you have one, out of this book? Hmm. Um. Well, a golly, I love them all. Uh, the gumbo recipe is is amazing. Um, yeah, that uh, that's better than gumbo I had, and I've been to New Orleans. Um, I guess the crab cakes are pretty incredible. Um, Freddie would make those. Taught my mom how to make them, and the crab would come from uh, of course, National, and it was flown in that that morning. Uh, it's like the Maryland backstand, the big right. chunks of crab, just a little bit of dusting of seasoning and stuff and it's, it's all crab and he would he'd come over um sometimes and just fry those up for us uh i could just about go through the entire like the pork chop sandwich that's amazing we yeah. use that at our house at least a couple times a month um 
played for like soup, like I mentioned to my dad made that uh, I was either share with all my buddies and claim it as my own. As my dad said uh, in, in his story, he said, Trip is very generous, uh, especially with things that don't belong to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad would have some similar comment about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun to be generous with stuff that doesn't belong to you. Oh, yeah. Easy for you to get it. You can but, uh, do it with a big smile on your heart. Yeah. The uh, Hey Murder uh, recipe is, is uh, another one of my favorites, and that was actually Bobby Jones. Um, it's very simple. It's, I, was, I found that very interesting. Uh, his grandson, Bob Jones IV, is the one that told me that uh, that recipe and he told me the story behind it, and uh, that he had uh, no, no bun, so he was doing the, the low-carb diet before anybody was doing it. And then uh, he had chips instead of fries, and he said Mr. Roberts didn't think French fries were healthy. Ah. So here he's telling Bobby Jones you can't have French fries. There's no, no French fries in the kitchen as long as Mr. Roberts is alive. Now, why he thought potato chips were healthier than fries, I don't know. But, <laughs> but he, didn't, he didn't need one of them. He liked to have a for lunch, and I wouldn't have put this in there because I just the thought of it. Makes me want to, I don't know, yeah. open a ball and it never come out. I, I uh, got it. Um, did you ever meet Cliff Roberts? I did not. I, I don't have a memory of it. Yeah. That's the possibly could have. He did, but I, I don't have any memory of it. But he was on in 77, I think, or something like that. Right. Maybe. But, uh, for lunch every day, he liked to have tongue. Beef tongue. Well, beef tongue's all right if you cook them properly. I'm medium rare and beef tongue sandwich every day for lunch. Wow. I don't think I can do that. And I, and I love meat. I'm a, I mean, every time you're doing these you're, uh, advertising and promotions uh, in between breaks, I'm making you hungry. <laughs> but, well, so you're doing a good job. Well, thank you. But, um, you know, it's um, it's kind of like, you know, I love chicken hearts. Um, most people think that's a horrible thing, but I love, I grew up on a farm. We didn't waste anything when we had chickens. When I was little, when and I grew older, we didn't, the two older kids were gone. And so we didn't like raise as much, um, food as, you know, as we did when I was real little and both my brother and sister were home, but we always ate the, the gizzards, the livers and the hearts. Now, some people don't like them. That's fine. And it's kind of like beef tongue. You know, I've eaten beef tongue a number of times. I don't, I'm with you. I don't think I can eat a beef tongue sandwich every day at lunch, but I can eat it. You know, it won't make you curl up and, uh, <laughs> you know. I'm not having a chicken heart. I'm not even making you get those. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and then I'm the kind of heathen that at Thanksgiving, I go buy an extra like five pounds of turkey giblets and cook them up. And I put them in my gravy and my stuffing and stuff, but I'll also, keep six or seven of them just in the fridge in a little plastic bowl with a lid on it. And then all during the week of Thanksgiving, I go by and I grab one, I put a little salt on it and eat it. So, you know, I'm sure my blood pressure is up to about 9,000 uh, by doing that. My cholesterol too, but uh, um, yeah. So just, I guess it just depends on, you know, where and how you were raised on, on what you will accept as yeah. food products. I like gibber gravy. It's not gravy without giblets for Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know. Um, lima beans though can't can't do lima beans. Sorry, can't do lima beans. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just think they look like the Martian kidneys. So, <laughs> so the butter bean recipe, you're not gonna try that anytime soon. No, no, probably not. Uh, my wife looked at it; she thought it looked great, and so I might cook it for her, and I'll sample it. But I'm just, my mom just cooked the hell out of like lima beans, asparagus, and spinach, and it took me a long time to be able to eat like cooked asparagus. I love it now, but, um, oh, I love it too. 
but I couldn't because it was these gray, soggy, stringy sticks with furry heads on them, you know? So I, <laughs> I couldn't eat them. <laughs> but uh, now they're getting back. You know, there may be hope someday for me and lima beans. There may be. I don't know. But uh, it's probably not something I'm going to, you know, jump into like that. So um, one thing I, I you're in your book too, Trip. you're talking about um, your story about Mr. B and one of the caddies eating some, uh, not pine cones, uh, pine, needles. pine needles. Yeah. And it was kind of like nature's Wrigley's chewing gum, sort of. Oh, that's funny. I, just thinking about it, I mean, oh man, that was so funny. Um, yeah, uh, Larry um, was in our group with Mr. B, and uh, besides most most caddies, he'd like to have a pop or two or about four hundred. And <laughs> he said, <laughs> he said, if you show up drunk tomorrow morning, this is after a day of being drunk, pretty much. He said, I'm firing you. Simple as that. So of course, Larry shows up the next morning smelling like a you know Nevada corn liquor, and. Uh, you better keep away from Mr. B. He's going to smell that shit on your breath and you're going to be gone. He said, yeah, I know, I know. So he's kind of keeping his distance. And then I look over there on number two. Um, and Mr. Larry, down the left-hand side, he's already giving his man his driver. He's jumping up and down like a pogo stick and grabbing pine needles. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I see him put them in his mouth. He's chewing them. So then Mr. B starts walking out of the and he walks over to him and talking about a beautiful day and this and that. And Mr. B says, Larry, I smell Christmas. He said, hey, it's something Mr. D to pipe in that smell all day long. <laughs> <laughs> they can do anything here. He said, by God, I believe they can. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to take a break <laughs> and we're going to be wrap up, come back and wrap up the regular show with Trip Bowden. And then he's, Trip's going to stick around for after hours. So we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. It's JT. And this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT and here on AM860, The Answer and uh, Golf News Network and 16 other platforms who I can't even name them all. But we're talking with Trip Bowden today. Uh, one of Trip's books is called The Caddy Cookbook. And it's a lot of stuff from uh, the Caddy Shack in uh, Augusta National there, i.e. where the Masters is held. Um, you talked about Miss Lily, Trip, And, uh, yeah. you know, it seems like somebody like that would have a pretty big influence on you growing up. Oh, tremendous, tremendous. I think my biggest, my, my love for food is in the way, in the sense way I love it. Uh, and want it perfect um, is, is for Miss Lily And then her... Uh, the collard greens, and I, and I think when I'm a mom and I have a little hand in this because I wouldn't be a greens person just like most kids growing up. Yeah. But uh, Miss Lily would make these collard greens for my family, and as I got over, she would make them just for me. And when I'd come home, and she'd go have them in the freezer for me, and they were absolutely amazing. Tender spinach, and she gave me the recipe after many millions of asking for it, and it was so simple I couldn't believe that that was it. But the key to the tender collard greens is you know you think about putting them in boiling water and boiling them for days. But she sauteed them, so a big clump of collard greens. But you, you, she would also cut them off the stem with scissors, right? And not not rip them because you tear them like tendon. So you cut them with these kitchen scissors, and uh, then you cut those in a couple pieces, and you put a big handful of them in just a little bit of water. It's also got sugar in it, and um, salt and pepper, of course, and a little uh, pepper vinegar, and you saute them till it's 
soft and tender, then you put the next batch in, the next batch in, the next batch in, and you actually cook them fairly quickly. But her attention to detail, even though she wasn't measuring anything, which is still very precise, and I think that's a, that was a tremendous lesson and a life lesson, is you don't have to necessarily, you know, go by, I don't know what the rule is like, but, but you got to be precise in what you do. Sure. You know, it's kind of like the Harvey Pinnock, you know, sort of the take dead aim. Right. You know, if you, get, you got something, you believe in it, and you stick with it, and you stay true to that. And magic can happen when you do that. She taught me that. She I think, a lady, great lady. yeah, I think it's all about uh, dedication and determination. You know, to in growing up, um, my mom was the task master. Um, my dad had come back from the war and, you know, he kept his job with the Corps of Engineers and did all that. And that was great. Um, but my mom was the one that really kind of instilled our work ethic in us and to do a good job. Don't do a half-assed job, do a good job, you know, something you can point to and have feel good about an accomplishment. And I think that's important, you know, whether you're, when you're growing up, whether you're going to play golf or you're going to ride horses or you're going to cook or whatever you're going to do. I think those are some life lessons, like you said, like you got from Miss Lily that are pretty important, really important, I think. No question. I don't think you can be passionate about something that you do have ass. Yeah. Yeah. Passion is full black or not at all. I like the old, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but you know, anything worth doing is worth doing right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why if you're going to drink moonshine, just go ahead and drink it. And if you wake up, you're in good shape. So, uh, (laughs) so how can people um, find you, find your books and all that? Yeah. If uh, folks would like to uh, get a copy of the Caddy's Cookbook and have it uh, inscribed, signed and personalized, I'll even personalize it for them. All they need to do is just jump on my website which is www.tripbowden.com, and that's T-R-I-P-P-B-O-W-D-N.com. And I'll ship it out right away. There you go. And he's got uh, Freddie and Me, Life Lessons, all the memorable rounds, cast-offs to champions, and then, of course, the Caddy's Cookbook, um, the recipes and stuff from Augusta and all that, where Trip was actually a caddy when he was a young man. Are you working on another book? I am, actually. I'm working on a book with uh, Steve Scott, and it's about his... uh, Great battle with him in the 1996 uh, U.S. Amateur, Yeah. Ridge. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be it'll come out in the, the spring. But one of the sort of focal points on the um, in the book is when Steve on the 16th hole on the second 18 when he's two up with uh, two to play, and I'm, yeah, two up three to play, and uh, Tiger has his mark in front of Steve's line, and so you know you take the putter ahead and you move it one to the left, and then Steve goes ahead and makes the putt. And then as he's walking off the green, he's out of the corner of his eye. Tiger just puts his ball down right where it was and didn't move the mark back. So Steve instinctively says, hey, Tiger, you need to move your mark back. Well, if he hadn't said that, Tiger putts. Tiger loses the whole season. He has the champion. And I think the whole world is off changes forever. Could be. Always Tiger is confident he is. Yeah. The moment after he wins that match, if he'd have done something that stupid to lose it. And I know for sure, because Phil Knight of Nike had a $40,000 contract in his hand, plus all these other promises. Ain't no way he's going to hand him that contract. I've seen something like that. Not right then. He might get it later, but he's not getting it right then. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it just changed the game of golf, the world of golf forever with those non simple words. Very selfish. Selfish. Uh, we got to get out of here. Uh, Trip Bowden, thank okay. you. He's going to, Trip's going to stick around thank for you. the after hours. Don't forget the book I is. The, it. Yeah, I have enjoyed it too, especially the stuff between the breaks. Um, the Caddy's, <laughs> the Caddy's Cookbook, Remembering Favorite Recipes from the Caddy House and 
to the clubhouse at Augusta National, uh, I would recommend it. Uh, we're going to get out of here this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Grilling at the Green. Until then, everybody, uh, have a good week and uh, be kind to somebody out there. Take care. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.